The Hope Walk 2022 Against Domestic Violence is Saturday, September 17th. This is the seventh annual Hope Walk, and the theme for this year is We Are All We Got. You are the co-founder of Hope Walk. Why did you organize this event, Butch? So the Hope Walk was essentially organized to, to raise funds for victims of domestic violence when the shelter's full, right? So uh, we had an issue. Uh, I started doing some domestic violence training in the community. I was doing domestic violence training for men specifically. And then the church actually asked me to do it there as well. And when I did it there, you know, it was just strange how when I completed, I made I made a, a, a point to give everybody a business card when before I left. And to tell you, my home phone rang off the hook shortly afterwards. I must have had about 10 or 15 calls from victims that same day and we had no way to actually uh, figure out what to do so so I went in my own pocket and I actually went out and, and helped house some of these victims until I can get them to a safe house so the Hope Walk is basically um, uh, a fundraiser for us it's our only fundraiser that we do for victims of domestic violence and we raise those funds so that we can house and clothe and feed victims of domestic violence and 100% of the proceeds for that event go specifically go straight to her, towards that. And that's why this event is so important because it is the only fundraiser for the organization. It's the only fundraiser that we'll do for victims of domestic violence and the city of Charleston has graciously uh, taken hold of and ownership of this, of this event. And the citizens of Charleston really has really supported it and they've allowed us to do this for seven years. And I'll be honest with you, the victims, you know, we're not turning any victims away, so we're happy with that. We're happy about that. Who can participate in Hope Walk? Anybody and everybody. I mean, we have the, we have babies come out and participate in the Hope Walk. Uh, this year, we're excited because we're going to have Cool Ray from the Stingray. He's going to be there, and we're going to have uh, Charlie the River Dog. He's going to be there as well. So we're excited to have those two uh, there as well, and the kids love them. Uh, they're, they're, they're definitely uh, getting the mix of the entire <laughs> event, so... So it's a lot of fun, and, and it, I mean, we try to make uh, make things comfortable for victims so that they, you know, they've gone through enough, and we want to give them an opportunity not only to, to tell their stories, but to have the community galvanize and support around them, right, so the community, the community can wrap their arms around victims and, and make them feel safe. Butch, this organization was founded as a result of the work that you've done regarding domestic violence in the church. Can you give us a little more of the backstory and, and how it all got started? It started under the umbrella of Project Unity USA, and Project Unity USA is an organization that deals with all crimes. So we, we came into the uh, arena of dealing with gun violence, all violence, and Palmetto Hope Network does that as well. We still deal with domestic violence and, I mean, with, with gun violence and, and all other types of violence within the home and within the community. But uh, when I was out speaking, there was a young Jewish lady that came up to me, and I'll, I'll never forget her name, Sarah Finkelstein. She came up to me and she said, you can't deal with violence in this community until you deal with domestic violence. And uh, from that moment on, you know, the sad reality was I was 40 plus years old and I didn't really know what that meant, right? So I had to do my homework. And in doing my homework and doing my studies, I, I found out that, you know, South Carolina ranked in the top 20 since it was taking notes in the top 10 since they were taking notes for over 20 years. We've been in the top 10 and we're not moving that needle forward very well. So so um, I started an organization called Real Mad, which is Real Men Against Domestic Violence. And, and I started going out and speaking to young men 
about domestic violence and our role in ending violence against women. Because, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, and a lot of people haven't realized that we as men are 50% of the problem, but we're not even involved in the discussion. So, uh, so my goal was to, to, to bring that to the men and uh, get men to take ownership to ending violence against women. But women and men can be victims of domestic violence, but most often we see that women and children are the people being abused. The, the truth is, is that, you know, one in three women, and this is an old stat, so one in three women be victims of domestic violence and one in four men. And that's 25% of men and 33% of women that are victims. But a lot of men, you know, don't say anything. And just a lot of women don't say anything as well. So I think it's, I think it's over underreported. And uh, I think it happens a lot more often than, than we give it credit for. I think it's probably on a, a closer to 50% of women. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's the, the thing about it is it's all about power control in a relationship. And, and, and we as men have to realize, you know, that, that, you know, it's okay. You know, we don't have to win every argument, right? And, and I've often told women that if you meet a man and he walks up to you and hits you in the face, nine times out of ten, you're not going to go out on a date with him. So that is important. And a lot of relationships don't happen that way. That's not the first, that's not the first thing that happens. So there's a process that goes along with this. I mean, there's a process to the abuse. And some men are some men are, have done this for a while, and some women have done this for a while, and they're good at it. But you've said that domestic violence increased during the pandemic. To what do you attribute this increase? Why do you believe the numbers are higher now? During COVID, the uh, the abuser and the victim were together for 24 hours a day, nonstop. He didn't go to work. He was there for 24 hours a day, nonstop. And and and. Uh, that just gave them more time to abuse, more time to abuse. The sad reality is, is there's a lot of people that hear that abuse in the background and they say nothing, right? They, it's not my problem, it's the neighbor problem, it's a family problem, let the family handle it. And that hasn't gotten us very far or, or helped us out at all in our community. That's why we're in the top 10 when it comes to domestic violence. And we've been in the top 10 for so long. We have to, we have to take ownership to our community and we have to treat one another better. We have to learn how to treat one another better. And but you've spoken with a lot of people over the years who've been abused. Why do some of them tell you they've stayed in these relationships? Yeah, there's a, there's there's quite a few reasons why some of them stay. And then you know I've always tried to get them to leave, but that's the most dangerous time for a victim is when they leave. That's when the majority of the victims are, are are murdered when they try to leave. A lot of them stay for the kids. A lot of men and women stay for the kids. A lot of women or, or people will leave a relationship and then get into a situation where they can't survive outside of the relationship. They can't. They, they don't have uh, housing, proper housing. They don't have. They can't afford to feed their kids. Can't afford any of that. So they'll go back home. They'll go back to that abusive situation. And and it's and, you know a woman will leave a situation, uh, an abusive situation, seven times before she actually really leaves it. So. Um, so yeah, so it, it's, 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 it's difficult. Domestic violence is one of the most pervasive crimes in our community. Is it possible for someone who has been an abuser to learn to control their behavior without some kind of intervention? Should a person who is in an abusive relationship believe that person if that person is apologetic and is not abusive for a period of time? That's part of there's a cycle of abuse, 
and that's part of that process of that cycle of abuse. And that person says one time that they won't do it anymore. Some some people can do that, right? Some people can actually quit just like. But I always say it's like a it's it's like one of them uh, alcoholic anonymous type twelve step type programs that you have to get into to to totally legitimately stop the abuse, right? But you know, some men have stopped, you know flat out stop but a lot of them they will stop they'll give you that honeymoon period and then they'll start back over again it's a, it's a cycle of abuse and they'll start back with the nitpicking and then the physical violence occurs again and then the same cycle begins to uh, come on again where they start to be all apologetic and and uh, that, that's basically a cycle of abuse that's the reason why a lot of people stay because they, they that's the person that they fell in love with at the beginning of the thing and, and they, they, they see signs of that person again so they stay is all abuse physical abuse? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, physical abuse, I mean, emotional abuse, there's financial abuse, there's so many different types of abuse. And, and that's the funny part about it is that we've, I've known of people who, who were in an abusive relationship that didn't even know it. They had no idea that they were in an abusive relationship because the person didn't hit them. Right? But the person was emotionally uh, abusive towards that person and would break them down so deep to where, you know, they thought they were worthless. And to me, you know, that, I mean, a punch over time will heal. But those words, you know, they cut to the core and, and, and sometimes they're harder to heal. But what are your recommendations to a person who is in an abusive relationship? My, my first recommendation is to get help. Get out, get help. I mean, especially if, when it's physical, emotional, any type of physical, any type of abusive relationship, at least, you know, just get away. There's, there's a lot of organizations out there. There's a lot of people out there that, that are willing to help. Uh, you can come to our organization. The, main, the most important thing is to, to talk to someone about it because you need to have some sort of counseling. A lot of people, it attributes to stuff like PTSD and stuff like that there when, when, when certain things happen in a relationship and you carry that with you, right? So, so you got you to gotta talk that out and you got to try to work that out. And, and you know... The, the most important thing for people to realize is that, you know, you are a victim in this. And that's the, the important thing about the whole walk is that, you know, victims, you know, they, they think they're in a shell. They think they're out there by themselves. So when they come to the Hope Walk and they see other people who've gone through the same thing that they've gone through, it kind of it kind of makes them understand better. And then when they walk that bridge and they turn around and they see the crowd of people that are back there that are supporting them, you know, I've seen it bring tears to their eyes and they're constantly thanking us and that's why I'm constantly thanking Charleston for, for doing this because, I mean, to a victim, it's everything. It's everything. But what do you recommend someone do if they see or believe someone is being abused? And I'm talking about intervention. That's a very, very touchy subject because I have a young friend of mine who actually tried to intervene in a situation and, and end up getting stabbed multiple times. Mm. He will never have the use of his, oh of his left hand. So I always say uh, the call 911, the call, you know, to be, be careful, call 911. That is the most, that is the most difficult call that law enforcement goes on as well, as well. You, you'll hear of law enforcement officers that have been shot uh, going to domestic violence calls as well. So, I mean, we're not professionals, you know, some men, you know, we, we think we're men and we think that we can, you know, get in front of somebody else and try to break up a fight or, or whatever we think I don't think that's it I never thought that was a good idea I think that you, you try to talk it out if you can talk to the person but the, the number one thing to do is if especially if you see the person that's being physically assaulted and I think the, the best thing to do is call the police 
what do you say to an abuser? I know that you've done a lot of counseling. What do you say to someone who admits they have been abusive toward a loved one? I've been in this situation quite a few times, and, and each individual is different. So uh, you have to have different conversations with each individual. I've had individuals that were abusive that were, that were of the cloth. So it was a different kind of conversation that I had with them. But ultimately, the, the, the issue is with that individual and, and, uh, and, and teaching them how to, when they get to a situation, because we as men and everybody knows well in advance when you get to a point where you're going you're, you're gonna to reach that boiling point, right? So, so I think I need people to be more cognizant of the fact that, hey, I'm getting to the point now where there's the point of no return, right? And that's, that's the point. Before they get to that point, I want them to be able to walk away. So that's what I'll work on with them and, and, and try to get them to walk away when they get to that point. But everybody has that boiling point. Every man, every woman has that boiling point. And all of us know well in advance when we're going to hit that, when we're going to reach that limit. Uh, so the best thing to do is, it, you know, take a deep breath and learn how to walk away. And, uh, you know, that's easier said than done, right? But, uh, but when we have other men and men get into the room and talk about this situation, more men are now beginning to learn that it's okay to walk away because the um, the result of them not walking away could end up with them being incarcerated. So and we don't want that to happen either. So. Coach, what happens during the Hope Walk? What can people expect to see on Saturday? So the Hope Walk is a lot of fun, okay? So we're, especially this Hope Walk. This Hope Walk, we're going to do things a little bit different. We will have speakers that are going to be speaking. They're going to be sharing their stories. Uh, uh, about their domestic violence situation. Uh, we do have Zumba for the first time, which is, that means there's a lot of people that just don't don't like walking the bridge. There, some people are terrified of the bridge and they don't like walking the bridge. So they can stay and do Zumba. Uh, we usually walk all the way across the bridge, but since COVID we haven't because we can't get a bus to bring us back. So we walk halfway to the to halfway point of the bridge and then come back. And that's what we've been doing. Uh, it's a great, it's, it's it's a great fun day for everybody. I mean, the victims are are actually uh, empowered afterwards, and and uh, and that's what it's all about. Is that, I mean, I just want to make sure the victims realize that they are not alone, that they have value, and that they have worth, and they're worthy, right? So that's the most important part to me. And and for, if you see some of the pictures from the Hope Walk, you'll see people hugging and loving on victims and having conversations with our victims. And you know, I get the benefit. I read the benefits from the victims uh, about you know the event uh, because of how they felt after the event, right? And how they mm-hmm. felt like people cared and people loved on them, and that now they feel like you know they can do certain things, they can move forward in their lives. And, and that's the important part, right? At the end of the day, I want to make sure that these victims have a place that they feel safe and secure and that they're no longer in an environment in which they feel like they they, they have to um, fear, you know, live in fear, especially when they have children and they're living in fear in a relationship. So it's all about healthy relationships to me and, and teaching our community how to love and, and respect each other. How can someone who is listening to this podcast find out more about what you do and why? And if they need help, how can they reach you so that they can get the support and assistance they need? Right. So the the first place they can find out about us is on our website, palmettohopenetwork.org.org. 
uh, and that's the first place that they can find. It's amazing to me how many people that actually reach out to me through my Facebook page, and that's Butch Kennedy. They actually inbox me, and a lot of the victims that come through, they inbox me through my Facebook page, and uh, more than they do from our website. So, uh, so our Facebook page is another positive site that that people uh, actually come to uh, find out more information about us. But uh, but more or less the. Our website and our Facebook page, and uh, we're we're here to make sure that you know that we help victims navigate through the entire process. I mean, and, and the process is not easy. And the sad reality is, is that sometimes you know the service providers that are supposed to be there to to help, sometimes we don't always get it right. Right? Sometimes they don't always get it right, and sometimes it's you know it will cause a victim to um, be revictimized, and and that, that's a scary part, right? So. We, a lot of a lot of service providers are very careful in in how we address the situation and how we treat victims because you know it's it's a each victim is different and there's no um, no one method that you can uh, attach to all of them right you have to treat each one of them different you have to have to provide for each one of them differently. True, good point. Butch Kennedy, thank you so much for speaking with me, and we hope to see lots of people join us on Saturday, September 17th at Hope Walk. It's good to see that we have one event that brings everybody together, and it's not about anything else but, you know, empowering victims so that they have a voice and hearing that voice and and making sure that that voice is validated. And uh, that's the most important part to us. Butch Kennedy, thank you so much for speaking with me, and we hope to see lots of family and friends and new friends and businesses and other sponsors on Saturday, September 17th at Hope Walk 2022. Butch, thank you so much for all the good work you and your wife do in this community. We look forward to seeing you, and again, thank you. Great talking to you. Take care. for this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time. Mm